a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Saturday show. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday morning, wherever you might be along the Wasatch Front or beyond. I'm Jay Catch, joined as always by Michelle Bodkin, my fearless co-host here on this fine program. Michelle, what's up? Uh, a lot of nothing at all. It's it's kind of it's that time of year, man. That's, that's about right. <laughs> March and October are really like the real big, like intersections of sports months because you have so many sports overlapping in those two months in particular. Mm-hmm. They're really fun, yeah, because there's always something going on. But as you mentioned, like there's always things going on at the same time that in our industry we're all covering. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's crazy. It's a lot. I feel like I miss a lot. <laughs> In some ways, yeah. But but at the same time, it is fun having so many things to talk about and cover and keep track of and watch and all that good fun stuff. And and it, there there's some things going on. So <laughs> no, I, I, there's no doubt about that. The best part is is like I said, there's nonstop entertainment and. We have been treated to an incredible first round of the NCAA men's basketball tournament. In the in the women's tournament, uh, Utah just decided, you know what, we're just going to look like the behemoth that we are expected to be. Mm-hmm. So they, they're actually, is in many ways, carrying the banner forward here for the rest of the state because everybody else is out. <laughs> Well, I mean, so, someone's got to do it. So, yeah. so we'll, we'll talk about plenty about that. But uh, as we are uh, typical of how we start each show, let's get everybody's highlight of the week. I'm going to have Sarah, actually, who's producing for us once again this week. Sarah, how are you? So good. What's the highlight of your week this week? Um, I know it's been a week for you. We're yeah, not gonna, it has been a very yeah. busy week. I see but... her every day, so we, I, get, like, I get a lot of the details. For Anyways, yeah, she gets, he gets all the updates. <laughs> so um, probably I went to lunch. With uh, Jake and Ben, my host oh, yes. of my show, and Nate joined us as well, our our big boss. Oh, Brown knows so, the boss. Okay. I, hey, I didn't even really know this was happening. Uh-huh. Like <laughs> they mentioned it on the show a few times, and I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." Like I'll be there, thinking like not much of it, and then they're like, "No, like are you actually coming?" And I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, yeah like, I'll be there. I'll be there." Yeah, and so yeah, we just went to the little sports bar. Down the street, the break. Okay. And uh, ate some food, watched some basketball. Nothing nothing crazy, but it was fun. Okay, real quick. Fun. That the break has just recently opened. Your your review. I haven't been there. I thought it was good. Okay. So I got the mac and cheese 
Um, my girl. I was also <laughs> mac and cheese. <laughs> my girl. Burnt Punk ends. Food. Barbecue burnt ends. Kay. Mac and cheese. Ooh, okay. I can respect that. So I got there late because I had to like finish up the show and stuff. You had to, you know, work. Yeah, I had to, you know, <laughs> do my job. Crazy. But uh, so I was like trying to rush and like find something to eat. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to play the safe option and go with no one like mac and cheese is the best, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it, very it, good. Well, it's a very like, it, it's it's very straightforward. But mac it's hard and cheese, to mess up. It's hard. Okay. But when you mess when it up. When it's messed up, it's not it's, good. It's yeah. bad. <laughs> yes. But uh, this was actually very good. Very good. I really enjoyed it. So, and I think the guys liked, they got burgers. I think Ben got a Philly cheesesteak, something like Ooh. that. And it all like looked amazing. So I would, I would recommend. It seemed, seemed to be a good spot and it wasn't too crowded, which was kind of nice. That's always a pause. Yeah, so with the, the tourney nice. going on, you just never know. And my, I mean, I know it's it was like a Thursday midday, so that might be why. But <laughs> it was good. All right. What do you got this week? Uh, so Thursday, I drove up to Ogden and uh, checked out. So we had Kenneth Scott on the show yes. last week. By the he way, was, so much fun. I know, so much fun. We'll have to have him back for sure. But so uh, he explained this assembly that they were doing up at Fremont High School. Mm-hmm. I'm actually wearing a Fremont High t-shirt today. Uh, go Silver Wolves. Go Silver Wolves. But uh, he and Robert Johnson and David Kozlowski, all former Utes, but mm-hmm. they are doing some amazing things in the community as far as mental health. They actually call it social health. Uh, well, it's not that it, way to go about it. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a little less stigmatized i think when you when you talk about it that way but they put on this assembly for fremont high school and it was so cool watching them because you could just tell when those kids came in that it was like oh god like (laughs) another lame assembly and like they instantly hooked them and it was afterwards these kids are lining up to take pictures with them trade social media so that they can keep in contact and it just it was really cool uh but david kozlowski specifically is kind of the one spearheading this uh and if you're not familiar with his story i did i did one years ago uh at ute zone you can find it a very interesting story but it led him to become a mental health specialist and okay. he's been doing incredible work here in salt lake and it's leading up to curriculum that's eventually going to be in our high schools to help kids cope with the things that they have to cope with that's awesome it's amazing so i'm working on a story a follow-up story about that i don't know when i'll get to it but i will get to it (laughs) but so i i just it was such a joy watching them do their thing and connect with people well that stuff is becoming even more seemingly every day that passes more and more important that's awesome that david's doing that Uh, it was fun to have uh, well the thing is about this is there enough athletes that have been through it? Mm-hmm. They can, and as you mentioned, these kids are probably sitting there like, okay, who are these old heads that are coming to talk to us? But yeah. just knowing the personalities of those guys mm-hmm. absolutely would engage them. And all of a sudden they're like, all right, let's do this thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. And by the way, uh, any of you guys uh, who missed last week's show, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. I actually listened back to it. I, don't, I rarely listen to entire shows of, that I've done. It's just, I don't like the sound of my own voice. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> but I went back and listened to it. It was just so much fun. Yeah. And we need to do that more often. I actually had, uh, I've had three uh, different sports, uh, I guess, p- p- former players from different schools. Two of them from BYU that have said, 
hey, if you're interested in doing stuff like that, I'm interested in coming in. Come on down. So we're going to do, I think, some more of that yeah. moving forward. And so I uh, would encourage you guys to check that out. Uh, highlight of my week actually was Wednesday night, and it also involves Fremont, funny enough. I was, oh, really? I was up at John Watson Chevrolet on, on Wednesday night. Um, I am lucky enough, I've been doing this for... Man, it's like eight or nine years now. I am the selector for the John Watson uh, Northern Utah High School Player of the Week awards for both basketball. Uh, so, boys and girls basketball during the winter slash spring, and also football during the f- during the fall. We had our annual banquet for the for the basketball for the boys and girls basketball mm. uh, banquet. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, we, we had uh, Representative uh, uh, Chris Moore, uh, who represents the first district up there in the House of Representatives in the United States, came and spoke to them. It's just fun because these are athletes who some of them they're done with their careers. Others that are moving on to play Division One football. I think we had people raise their hand. I think we had at that banquet on Wednesday at least. 12 who I think are going to the next level. No matter if it's JUCO, D1, D2, they're they're playing. Awesome. It's a ton of fun because they're just – you can tell that, they, that they're they appreciative of people noticing what they're doing because basketball, especially on the girls' side of things, and we're, we'll talk about this with Utah, Yeah, it can very quickly fall by the wayside and oh, get yeah. overlooked. Mm-hmm. And But it's just fun because the, the way it is set up that we legitimately – each week I go through both the boys' and the girls' side of things and pick nominees for both sides, and we honor them weekly. So – it was really fun to be out there and actually get to meet the kids. Yeah. Because I don't meet them during the year. I get to meet them at the banquet. So fun stuff. Oh. Always good times. All right. So we got a lot to cover on today's show. The nice part is uh, uh, we have a lot to talk about as well. So without further ado, let's get to what's the big deal. No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but kind of a big deal really people know me i'm very happy for you i'm very important uh i have many leather-bound books and my apartment smells of rich mahogany (laughs) can i just say at one point in my life i want to have multiple leather-bound books like that's just my that's my aspiration in life to have leather bound like to have the the amount of money to have leather bound books on a shelf behind me or something like that. That's the goal. I don't know. Okay. I feel like it's a status thing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you need a big like mahogany desk. So you know, with a big book shelf behind it. Okay, here's the thing. So I have a grandfather who had one of those big like we're talking like the those yeah. desks. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And moving that thing. I swore up and down I would never own one of those. It was so heavy. So, so heavy. It's all about the status, though. Yeah. Yeah, that one, I guess it is. But that moving that thing was a chore. See, that's why you get it and you pick the place you're going to <laughs> stay in and you're just staying it's, there. It's there. Yeah, good point. I do have to – my parents actually are building a new house and it's supposed to be done in the next few weeks. And they've already said, hey, so what do you got going on in a couple of weeks? And I'm like, I'm busy. <laughs> I'll be, helping them, I'll be helping them move everything out of their current place. Moving it, it'll be fun, but regardless. All right, so the madness. Yes, it is here. Yes, and it is delivered in spades. <laughs> we have uh, for the first time in NCAA men's basketball tournament history, we have a 15 and a 16 seed who have advanced in the same tournament. Uh, we have had just all kinds of stuff. So, Michelle, where do you want to launch in here? What, what game or games do you want to discuss mostly? Oh, I, I mean. 
let's talk all the failures. Okay. I just I because it, it feels like there's been a lot of them and they've come very early this go around. Well, and that's the thing about it is this this weekend, this first weekend of the tournament typically is where you see the most upsets. It, it actually kind of filters out after this weekend where the chalk seems to take over in many respects down the stretch. But the, the fun part is, it's just it's nonstop. So I want to start off with Fairleigh Dickinson because I think that they're an absolutely incredible story because they actually did not win their conference tournament. They're, they are the runner-up in the Northeastern Conference. Hmm. The reason why they are in this tournament is because Merrimack, who is the actual NEC champion, is in their, they call them, a, it's a four-year transi- transition period to go from, they were D2, they're going to D1. Well, in those four years, you're ineligible to participate in the postseason at the Division One level. Oh. Merrimack was in the final year, the fourth year of that transition period, wins the tournament because they're not eligible. The runner-up, which is Fairleigh Dickinson out of Teaneck, New Jersey, gets the invite to go to the NCAA tournament. How rude. Uh, and and there are a lot of people out there saying that we need to do away with this rule, and I, I, I get why they're saying it, because there's also another team down in, I think it was Kentucky last year, who had a similar situation where they actually won their tournament and couldn't go as well. That's just wild to me. Like, if if you're so on top of it that you can make that jump yeah. fast and early— mm-hmm. You should get the same reward, and that's the debate that's going on right now. Why? Why wouldn't you give? Like, why? Why wouldn't you let? Like, do I could kind of see if it was opposite. If you were Division One and you were going down to Division Two, you have maybe a bit of an advantage there. You've recruited at a higher level, yeah. You know, so you're an L. Like, I kind of would understand. I don't understand the other way around, though. That doesn't yeah. make sense to me. Uh, you and me both, but regardless, so Fairleigh Dickinson is the recipient of this. They were 20 and 10, I believe, going into the tournament. And what do they do? They go and knock out number one seed Purdue. <laughs> uh, the other thing about this is, is Purdue has Zach Eady, uh, seven foot four big man. He's probably going to be the national player of the year. He's been very good. But the other part about this, which is crazy to me, I was watching, I, did, I tuned in this game late as I started seeing people like, hey, Fairleigh Dickinson's got a chance here. Yeah. So I tuned into it. He's seven foot four. The tallest player on Fairleigh Dickinson's team, six seven. I saw a tweet about that. They're literally, like, if you go average that. height, they are the shortest team in the tournament as compared to Purdue, who is actually one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in terms of overall height across the roster. You can't teach heart, man. Well, and that's the thing about this. It was absolutely incredible because, A, they weren't even the best team in their conference. Yeah. They've had a decent season. And by the way, last year, I don't know how people know this, Fairleigh Dickinson, you know what their record was last year as a, as a program? I couldn't even begin to guess. They, Four and 22. I was about to say it, it because you're asking yeah. me, it has to be like a very lopsided losing yeah. record. They honestly, and I think it was Chris Vanini who might have tweeted this out last night, but somebody tweeted out this might be truly the biggest upset in NCAA tournament history. We had the UMBC with Ryan Odom, who's Utah State's head coach, a couple years ago was the first 16 over one beaten Virginia. But for this, you're not your conference champion. You get in on a technicality, but then you also go up against maybe the biggest and one of the most talented teams in the entire field with your undersized roster, and you beat them 63 to 58. I think we're looking at the true Cinderella story of Cinderella stories. I mean, it is a great story. Uh, I, I, I mean, this is like literally a little guy on the come up story. Like literally, uh, uh-huh. just size size wise. Uh, oh gosh, uh, going going record record yeah, wise. Exactly. Like it's just it just all across the board. 
this is a little guy come up and I am so here for it. This is this is why we watch or even just mildly pay attention, mm-hmm. fill out the brackets. The stories like this. Well, and the other thing about this is because this is not the only one. We already had Arizona go out mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't know what it is without Arizona. I, 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 I'm done trying to convince myself that Arizona is ever going to be nationally relevant again because for whatever reason every year I and I had only picked them to go let's see I have them I'm pulling my bracket here I've got them in the elite eight so okay it hurts my bracket but Princeton come on they're the Ivy League they're the smart kids you shouldn't be losing to Princeton here Arizona if you're the big bad bullies that everybody considers you to be in the in the Pac-12 how in the world are you losing to the Princeton Tigers (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, other than, you know what, maybe we need to give the smart people, the, the nerds, a little more <laughs> a little more credit. So Nerds. Nerds. No. Yeah, but that's the thing about this. It's been a really, really fun tournament so far because I'm looking at my bracket. I've got a lot of carnage up and down my list of like the upsets I picked did not pan out. My, my national champion is still alive. Who did you pick to win it, by the way? I picked Marquette. Okay. So I, I'm still in it, and I'm actually third in our bracket challenge. Oh, jeez. I don't even want to look at the bracket challenge. I'm probably getting absolutely murdered there. <laughs> I have Houston winning it all. We'll see. I, I just, on a whim, I'm like, oh, Houston seems like a decent enough team, but there's best players dealing with a hamstring injury, and he played one half of basketball. And he's like, uh, it's tightening up again. I'm like, great. I'm, I'm glad I picked you guys. But, so thrilled. Yeah. But so thrilled. The thing about this is when it comes to tournaments like this, and this tournament in particular, it's been a really, really, really fun watch. Like, there have been other NCAA tournaments where you're like, okay, you tune in, you're like, okay, give me the madness. Let's see, let's see upsets. And it doesn't necessarily deliver. This is delivered, and I think in some ways it's showing us that the transfer portal slash NIL in some ways is actually filtering out talent a little more than it would have uh, otherwise. Because I know that Princeton, they're always going to be the Ivy Leagues. You have to get into school there and everything. But when a 15 seed in Princeton can win, you have a 16 seed in Fairleigh Dickinson can win. You also had a 13 seed uh, in, oh, who was it? Or uh, Furman. Furman. Yeah. Private school in North Carolina that they're a Johnny-come-lately in, in some respects. They go and upset Virginia as right. a 13 seed. Th- there's talent. And by the way, Furman's got a guy, I was reading about this, he's an NBA draft prospect. Like, how, how do you get a kid from firm into the NBA? Well, he's got to be a transcendent talent. And mm-hmm. I, I think in some ways, I'm going to get your thought on this, I think we're seeing maybe a little more of the uh, diversification of rosters. Guys are finding opportunities to play, and it may be in an off-the-radar place like Furman. <laughs> uh, I I think that very well could be the case. Uh, I know there was a lot of concern and worry that NIL would do exactly the opposite. Well, in in some ways it has because there's other rosters that are stacked because of it. Right. But uh, I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of continue to track this. Obviously, this is a very new thing still. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe maybe that's not what it is. I I don't know. Maybe people are just getting better and more creative at finding – under the radar talent uh, and bringing it to their programs because they don't have the NIL advantage. I, you know, it's, it's just going to be very interesting to watch. I'm not, I'm not sure why maybe we're seeing a more even playing field Mm -hmm. this year. Uh, Again, it'll be interesting to see if this continues through like next year and we we see more of this, or Mm -hmm. if this is just kind of a really unique one-off 
situation. Well, and that's the nice part about it is you will have history at some point kind of it'll lay out, okay, here's what's happening. Because you have Pittsburgh who played in the first four. They upset Iowa State. By the way, Iowa State couldn't shoot a lick last night. I think at one point, I think like about four minutes ago, I saw somebody said they, sh- they were shooting 19% from the field. Oof, Absolutely brutal numbers. Brutal. Yeah, but the thing about this is you're right. We'll find we'll see over time if NIL transfer portal can make it so that some of these smaller teams I say smaller, but I guess uh lesser well known. Is that yeah. easier way to say it? Like they're they're off the radar a little bit. Cause you, you, before this tournament you asked me, Jake, where's Furman at? I would have never Oh, I could I couldn't have told you. Fairly Dickinson? No clue. Yeah, never heard of her. <laughs> exactly. So uh, the only reason I found out where Fairleigh Dickinson was at, because PK, of all people, was like those boys from Jersey. Because Fairleigh Dickinson's in Teaneck, New Jersey. And St. Peter's last year, who was the Cinderella right, last year yeah. making the run to the Elite Eight, is also from New Jersey. So so PK playing up his New, his New Jersey pride as a as a <laughs> guy who was born and raised there for at least until he moved to Arizona. So I don't know. it. It's been a really, really fun first two days. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how today and tomorrow pan out because y- you do have some interesting matchups. You have Furman versus San Diego State, which is actually already underway. Uh, if you want coverage of that, by the way, if you're tuning in to us, we're on 97.5 FM. If you want all the coverage of the NCAA tournament, uh, you can head over to 1280 AM. We've been streaming it all day and all night for the last two days, and we'll continue all throughout the tournament. Uh, be plenty of action today but it creates an interesting matchup because now we have a utah state crashed out they lost to missouri yep. but guess what missouri has to face off against princeton <laughs> that's not a matchup i expected to see i did not expect to see fairly dickinson and fau matching up in the second round fau beats memphis uh, so you go down this you have your, your marquette uh, golden eagles are taking on michigan state uh, we got tcu versus gonzaga st mary's versus yukon by the way the west coast conference has just as many teams in the second round of the ncaa men's basketball tournament as the mountain west and the pac-12 combined <laughs> so there you go well yeah the more you know well that's the thing mountain west outside of san diego state they flamed out again this year that's the tough part that that conference is i think they're now 1 and 14 1 and 15 since 2019 Oof. It's been a really rough run. I mean, this is coming from someone. Pac-12 has not exactly been great on the men's basketball front either. Yeah. Well, I I think UCLA looks really good. They maybe could do something. We'll see. I'm interested to see where that how they do because they face Northwestern. And that'll be interesting to see how they do. Uh, that could set them up against Gonzaga in that in the Elite Eight. Or excuse me, the Sweet Sixteen. Apologies. And that'd be an interesting one because that's like a West Coast supremacy thing. Because mm-hmm. obviously, there's all the rumors involving Gonzaga. Can they go to the Pac-12? Can they go to the Big Twelve? Well, you know, you know the storyline when if that ends up happening. Oh man, this one's for all the Pac-12 marbles, huh? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, just, <laughs> it's one of those fun things. So uh, I would encourage you guys, just enjoy the tournament. Uh, the other thing about this, don't get too uptight. This is my PSA. Don't get too uptight about your bracket. Just enjoy it. There are people that get way too wound up about their brackets and, like, falling apart. Sarah, did you do a bracket for the challenge? No, I had full intentions. You and David James. I had full intentions of doing one, but like we said, it's been a week, so I never got her. And right when I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to fill one out, it was, there was, like, three minutes left to do so. so. Oh, I filled mine out about two, so. Yeah. I literally was like, okay. By the time I, I made, it, like, made an account and yeah. got logged in, it was like, well, it's over. I can't. Who so. were you going to pick to win it, though? I don't know. Okay. Because everyone, I don't know. 
I feel like it's going to be a sleeper team, though. Just with how things have turned out, I feel like some Cinderella, some little small school is going to go all the way, and it's going to, like, shock everyone. All right. Go Knights. Fairleigh Dickinson. That's that's Sarah's team. We're, we're assigning you the 16 seed. See how far they can go. All right. We'll come back on the other side. I, I want to talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz. The NBA season is coming down the stretch. The Jazz are finally back in action tonight. It feels like they've taken like a miniature all-star break. They, had, they played Monday and haven't played since weird scheduling quirk but we'll get to that also 11 o'clock uh we're gonna dive in and look a little bit at utah football as they begin spring ball tuesday correct it's coming quick Uh, byu just finished up week two of their spring ball yesterday we'll get to some of that we'll get to five minutes of technical fouls you guys know how we do this is the saturday show right here on 97.5 fm the ksl sports zone more in a moment I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports. So Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch along for the ride. We're going back to the country motif this week, Sarah. Yeah, we are. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was tempted to do it on Jacob Ed show, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to put him in a bad mood. Darius Rucker is always a good choice, though. Come on. Classic. When you can make the transition, I don't know how people know this, but he was Hootie and the Blowfish, and, the blowfish, and, then, blowfish. And, the, and then transfer over to doing country. That's a pretty incredible like career Jump. arc. Yeah. So. I am a big fan of Hootie and the Blowfish. I have not followed him since he went country. Have you not heard Wagon Wheel? Or this, this is, oh, I have. this up a little bit. I've never heard this. But really? I, don't, I don't listen to country. I have heard Wagon Wheel, though. Okay. I have heard that. The fact that we don't have Wagon Wheel in our system is kind of surprising to me. Have you searched in, like, the all audio, like, the vault that has, like, literally everything? I haven't. But, like, I feel like It takes, like, 15 be... minutes for it to actually, you know, yeah, open load. up. But anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that should be a given, though, with the Wagon oh, Wheel yeah. being, like, something we win oh, in the state. that's true. Yeah, well, that's a it's the rivalry between BYU and Utah State, the battle for the old wagon wheel. Um, there is a former BYU punter, Johnny Linehan. Uh-huh. I remember him. He's from New Zealand. Uh, he actually went and recreated his own music video of the wagon wheel. And it, let's put it this way. Was it not good? <laughs> it was better than I thought it was going to be. Still not great. Uh. <laughs> but, but what I expected going in versus what we got Actually, better in a way. Oh, so, okay, yeah. okay. I don't know. I can appreciate that. One of those things, <laughs> just like those things that come directly around, like, oh, okay. Because there was also the, because um, both BYU and Utah have had those unfortunate um, fan videos that have come out in, uh, over the years where, like, we're going to teach you how in the student section to fan. <laughs> Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain, Utah. Uh, and then at BYU, it was the... So gross. Oh, uh, what was one at BYU? It was what song were they... Oh, Don't Stop Believing. We're going to teach you how to sing Don't Stop Believing. It's like, everybody knows how to sing this song. Yeah. <laughs> Just stop. 
And oh, by the way, that song came out before you were probably even alive. Exactly. So like, don't you dare start telling fans how to sing that song. <laughs> like, what? it's been a bar staple since before you were alive. I just, I, I like. Anyways, random stuff that in sports media over the years that you observe and you're like, don't. Uh, <laughs> about that life. All right. Anyways, um, real quick. I, I meant to ask you this before we hit the break. Uh, Utah women yesterday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awesome. I thought Alyssa Peely was going for 40. Uh, she could have if she, she stayed in. If, if they had had her stay in, I mean, she was it's close to a triple double. Yeah. So she it was 33, eight and eight, correct? Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive performance. Uh, okay, was this – they go up against Gardner-Webb. They blow them out. They're 15 versus two. So you, you, Utah did what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Was it everything that you expected? Because you've obviously been covering Utah at, at every game. You've been in there watching them. It was, was this what you expected for their opening round matchup for the Utes? It was what I was at least kind of hoping for. Okay. Um, it just – it felt like kind of towards the end of the season uh, they were a little worn down. And so it, it just that that part of it, I was like, oh, I just don't know what to expect from you guys. I don't know if you're going to be a little bit rusty. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're going to come out looking really well rested. And it turned out, came out looking pretty well rested. I mean, those girls were flying up and down the court. That was such a fast paced game, mm-hmm. really from both sides. Uh, I I was stunned at how quick and fast everybody was moving up and down the court. There was a lot of hustle last night. Well, and that's the thing. We had Lynn Roberts on with DJ and PK on Monday. And uh, PK's first question to her, he's like, so, Coach, you haven't played in two weeks. What have you been doing? <laughs> and like, But but she, but she's, she laid out, she's like, it's actually in some ways we've had a real opportunity to heal up yeah. and, and get rested up. And, but there's always that concern with extended layoff. Mm-hmm. That you kind of lose your edge. Yeah, you lose your edge, you get rusty. But you're right. The way it looked, it was like, no, they're they're ready to roll. And they that's exactly what they did. They were flying around. The the one thing, the one thing that was not great was the turnovers. They they can't do that again. Well, and that's kind of the thing that a lot of times when when you have layoffs, that's the the, yeah, the that's, sharpness of your passing and that type of stuff can go. It's like a golf game. I don't mm-hmm. know how much you play golf, but I don't. The, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm ready for golf season. Right now, I'm trying trying to get tuned up as they say right it's been a brutal winter i have swung very few of my clubs but the first thing that goes when you don't golf is your short game your touch around the greens like mm-hmm. putting chipping it's the that same thing sense. with with basketball is just kind of that sharpness the the little things and mm-hmm. turnovers you're right they got to clean that up yeah that that will not fly it i think especially against princeton mm-hmm. uh, i didn't get to watch a whole lot of that game but i watched the last four minutes when they were down by i think about 10, something like that, and they managed to come back and win that game. And it was largely because they play great defense. They are very, very aggressive on defense. And so, you know, turnovers like that are not going to bode well against a team that plays defense. Well, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, What time do they play tomorrow? 5 p.m. 5 p.m., okay. Good. Hey, that's actually a really good... That's not bad. Yeah, uh, I was still maybe hoping a little earlier in, in the afternoon, yeah. but I, I will take the five p.m. That works for me. At least it's not yeah, not like an eight p.m. Like, yeah. hey, we're sticking you late at night. Yeah, on. have fun. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. should be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Utah back in action against Princeton tomorrow. Uh, by the way, Princeton having a good run here on both the men's and women's I side. I know. Of the yeah, I was thinking the same thing Go when Tigers. we were talking about. <laughs> Go Tigers! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Coach. Uh, okay, but. 
so I, I, I talk about Utah here to kind of transition, talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz. Because we talked about Utah having, it was nearly two weeks, right? Was it 13 just, days? Just days? about just about two weeks. I think technically one and a half okay. week. But. So still quite an extensive layoff. And the Jazz have gone through a similar setup here. They played Monday night. They came. They're, they're coming off a six-game road trip that covered 13 days in and of itself. They went all over the country, almost literally. <laughs> Quite the travel uh, itinerary they had. But they get back from Miami on Tuesday. They took essentially a day and a half and just said, "If you come in and shoot, do that, but take some time, like decompress, because they don't play again until till tonight." Mm-hmm. They've had a in the NBA realm. The Jazz have had maybe one of the biggest layoffs I've ever seen for a team that's not an all-star break. Huh. Like, you have five days off. I, I'm sure that Will Hardy and the guys are like, all right, um, it's the whole, uh, what's that meme from uh, the Chappelle show? Like, you got some more of that. Like the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. The, 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 yeah, the <laughs> he's, crack dealer he's, or he's whatever. Scratching, like, you got some more of that, but you got some more of that basketball. The Jazz, they're used to playing every other day. Right. You get into a routine and – Back to back, you play more often than having f- almost four and a half ish days off in a row. You're going to be like, hey, we need to get back out on the court. And they have practiced the past two days, and that's always a good thing to get your team back together. And uh, Will Hardy said it on Wednesday, I believe, was when they had media available. It might have been Thursday. And he said that it's been good to take a break, but we need to get back on the court. And it's actually an opportunity right now, late in the season, to kind of – we talk – he said we talk all the time about stuff we want to do in these games. Yeah, We talk game plans, uh, what our philosophy is. When we finally get a chance to practice, it's – Actually, getting out on the court and doing the all what you've been talking about, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll see what happens because I'm interested to see how they respond here. Because the <laughs> DJ said this, and I completely agree with him. The front office has done everything they can within their power to help the Jazz tank. They have traded away <laughs> all kinds of parts this season, before the season, in season. They have stripped it down. Try and all Will Hardy and this Jazz team have done though is they just go out there and battle every night. And I think in some ways it's actually admirable what they're doing. But at this point, uh, there are Jazz fans who are like, just give it up. Right. I don't think they're going to give it up. They're probably still going to lose more than they win down the stretch here. But I don't expect this team. There's 13 games left in the season. I could see them going like a 4-9-ish and ish type of a record. But I'm, I'm telling you right now, Michelle, I'm going to get your thought on this. Every one of those 13 games – I'm going to bet that the Jazz are giving it everything they've got. I mean, that's just kind of what they've shown from the jump. Like I said, they... It doesn't matter who they have. Yeah. Exactly. It feels like at least that core mm-hmm. that actually, you know, coach and, and the guys actually playing the game mm-hmm. understand that they have something and and they're going to try their darndest. It might not look the best. <laughs> they might have a terrible outing or a terrible night or not be able to get it done. But I just don't think they're going to roll over and be like, well, whatever. That just hasn't been their MO from the jump. Well, and that's the thing about this. You're right. They and we had Brian Geldzeiler. I don't know how people know him. He he works for Sirius XM NBA Radio, and he's he's been a staple of DJ and PK. I guess not staple, but he's been a guy who's been on our show regularly for years. He actually came on earlier this week, and I actually made it a promo. And he talked about the fact he's like, okay, this Jazz team. Yes, are they the most talented team? No. Is Lowry Markinen uh, probably a, a grade A number one option for a contender? Probably not, but he's a, a fantastic piece to have right now. And he talked about the fact that 
The nice part for the Jazz right now is after all the crap they went through last season, jettisoning almost the entirety of that roster and then rebuilding on the fly. He said, you got a great young head coach. You've got a bevy of draft picks coming in. Now you have flexibility with the, with the salary cap uh, somewhere in the, I think it was at least it's at least 50 million. I mm. think coming up for the jazz, they got plenty of money to, to spend. He said they have completely reinvented themselves in one year, essentially to where they're actually a very attractive team on the come versus the one that feel like they had They'd max out literally every possible thing they could do previously. I mean, that's that's something to hang your hat on. That that's hard to do. That is really hard to do to manage things in a way that you go from kind of maxing out every possibility no. you could have had to all of a sudden opening things up and having something that's workable. Yeah. It's maybe not perfect yet. But it's workable, and it makes you not look bad until you can maybe fill in with some of the possibilities you've opened up for yourself. I color me impressed that that's we've seen a lot of teams do a lot worse with a lot more. Well, <laughs> you're right, and that's the thing about this is there are there's an opportunity still for the Jazz to go out and make the play-in slash playoff if they string together some wins. But at the same time, with how densely packed the Western Conference has been this year, you drop a couple of those games and suddenly you've got lottery odds in the top 10. So very interesting to see where this ultimately goes. But I'm all, going back to my original point is having this this big layoff for the Jazz, I do wonder tonight, they're going against the Boston Celtics, and Boston is the team that Danny Ainge has built into what they are. They're a title contender and got great players in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, most notably, but also guys like Marcus Smart on that roster. I'm interested to see, because that team's been playing, they've been on a road trip here, and they've been playing more regularly. The Jazz, in theory, similar to Utah, should be the more well-rested team. But I want to see the Jazz. One thing that's plagued them all year, similar to we talked about Utah, turnovers. Mm-hmm. How sharp are they going to be tonight? And that's going to be, we're going to find out real early, it feels like, how, how sharp the Jazz or how much work they got done and how, how they're working together early on in tonight's game. Right. We're, yeah, it's, it's going to be very clear how well they balanced getting the rest that yeah. they maybe need versus cleaning up the things that they maybe need. Uh, and I, I would be shocked if it, takes more than a quarter to figure kind of have a feel as to you know how how well they understood the mission well yeah and that's that's the thing about this this has been a really interesting year to cover the jazz because the 33 and 36 but i i've got to admit for a sub 500 team it's actually been a pretty uh, this sounds almost so counterintuitive in my brain. It's been a very uh, entertaining sub-500 team, if that makes sense. That, like They've just been, the storylines, jettisoning almost the entirety of their roster. They traded away three uh, rotation guys at the trade deadline, brought back very little in return. Like They have done everything to tank, mm-hmm. and despite it all, they just continue to go out there and grind. I, I get what you're saying. I, I think, and not, I don't know how well fans can necessarily pick up on potential. Social media has been Um, all over the place on that. Some some fans can, but I think the larger group, Mm -hmm. I I think, has a little hard time discerning from 
like a team that's just bad yeah. and a team that has a lot of potential, but they need pieces. And that, I mean, that's kind of what I always remembered from Utah's second five and seven year mm-hmm. in 2013. I know fans were very mad. They wanted, you know, wit fired. They wanted everyone benched. Hashtag fire wit. Yeah. And my whole thing was, I thought there was a lot of potential there. I thought they actually had done a lot of work to fix a lot of what plagued them in 2012. Mm-hmm. But the record was the same. But the product just looked very different by comparison. Uh, and sure enough, 2014, they turned it on and they've been turning it on ever since, cranking it up a notch pretty much every year ever since. And maybe the Utah Jazz is on to something similar. It's going to be a curious case study in a way to to see, where, as you mentioned, where it goes. Because if it does feel like they've kind of rebuilt this on the fly and they're kind of the they're like they could have easily bottomed out. They could have pulled an Oklahoma City, a Philadelphia 76ers where they're just like, uh, Lowry, you've got a hangnail tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, better, better set this one out, bud. <laughs> Rest that up. Like load management, all the, all those other BS excuses the teams <laughs> have used over the years for guys to sit out games. But it, it's going to be an interesting case study to see, okay, did Danny Ainge kind of buck the trend in a way as an executive here and like almost circumvent having to truly bottom out and get the Jazz right back on an upswing and and do it in it'd be about it'd be about eighteen months time mm-hmm. and that would be really interesting to see similar to what the NCAA tournament over over time you kind of see where things yeah. go. It's going to be a, a interesting case study with this squad in particular to see where it ultimately pans out with because. Mm-hmm. Danny's built up. He built the Celtics in. They won a title in 08, obviously, with yep. the core. He jettisoned that entire core, fleeced the Brooklyn Nets in the process, which <laughs> is still one of the funniest and lopsided trades I've ever seen in my life. And then he's re, he rebuilt them again. They haven't won a title yet, but they're they're in the mix. The, that Celtics that. team that he, that, he, that he built. Can he do that same thing in Utah? We're about to find out. All right. Uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll get to what uh, to technical fouls, uh, rewarding people for behaving badly in sports. Some, I think some dis- decent ones this week. Uh, we have one from last night in the NCAA men's basketball tournament we'll get to. We'll get to all that next. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. You're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, along for the ride here on the Saturday show. It is time, as you heard, for technical fouls. Uh, and I actually want to start off with Sarah's here because uh, it's it's one of those things. Because people are freaking out about this, but it happens. It just so happened that this gets a bigger profile because it happens in New York. Go ahead. All right. So I don't even follow baseball, but when I saw this, I was like, this is my technical foul. Okay. It has to be. So it's a good one. Mets... I was gonna go with if, you, if you didn't go with it, I was going to go with it. So, yeah. 
So the Mets all-star closer was playing in the World Basketball Classic game against Edwin Diaz. Yep. Against the Dominican Republic, he played for Puerto Rico. They mm-hmm. won, and he injures himself, tears his patellar tendon. Yep. In the celebration yes. of the win. After throwing a perfect ninth inning to close it out. Yes. And most likely will be out for the 2023 season. It's an eight-month recovery, yeah. roughly. Yeah. Ridiculous. Like, come on. During the celebration. Not during the game. The I, celebration. Well, And here's the thing about this. It's caused all kinds of people to say that the World Baseball Classic, which he is participating in, needs to be done away with, blah, 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 blah. Okay, here's the problem. Gavin Lux, who is expected to be the Los Angeles Dodgers star shortstop this year, a week into spring ball, tears his ACL running the bases in a spring training game. People are like, well, he's playing in a meaningless game. Okay, there's nothing more meaningless than a spring training game, and you lost a potential all-star shortstop to a torn ACL. So should we do away with spring training games? Yeah. So, I don't know. I know Diaz pretty well because he actually was the Mariners' closer before he got traded to New York. He's really, really good. And it's unfortunate. It's, I, I, we were talking on the break about this. Christian Zendejas was an Arizona Cardinals kicker who did a backflip, landed, and tore his ACL after kicking a game-winning field goal. Crap happens, folks. It happens. But I just – it feel bad for the guy, yes. but it made me chuckle because I was like, really? Come on. <laughs> the good news for him in baseball, <laughs> he has a $102 million contract, and guess what? Every single dime and penny of that thing is guaranteed. Good for him. All right. Yay. All right, uh, Michelle, I'm going to go with mine real quick because I want to get to yours last. Okay. Um, so Dan Orlovsky is an ESPN personality. Uh, he's got he's famous for having run out of the back of the end zone, if you recall, mm-hmm. uh, playing for that 0-16 Detroit Lions team. Uh, I missed this until I was reading this just barely, but on social media this week, uh, he was talking about uh, how many times he uses his towel to dry himself off after his shower. Uh, he was uh, talking uh, with Marlon Humphrey, who's an NFL safety, and uh, Marlon Humphrey said he wants like a full body, like, you know, like those, the air blowers that dry your hands off in certain right. ways. He wants like a full body one of those. If, if he, like, say, why hasn't that been invented yet? Well, Dan Orlovsky responds to his tweet, because uh, Marlon Humphrey said, does anyone re- really like towels, though? Dan Orlovsky responds this, question is, how many times do you use a towel post-shower till you throw it in the laundry? I'm like 30 times or so till it goes in. 30 times? You go a month? <laughs> um. <laughs> like. Um. <laughs> it, people are responding. Tom Hart, you are a disgusting human being. Humphrey, 30 times. Honestly, I don't know about that many. LOL. Sam Monson, a pro football focus. By that time, the tell just walks itself to the laundry, doesn't it? <laughs> that. Basically. He really um, exposed himself. Why would yeah. you say that? I, I mean, you Why have would you to admit to that? Look, here's the thing. Like, we humans, we're disgusting. And we try to sure. play like we are not disgusting. I'm as disgusting as a human. My wife will tell you. I use a towel for at least like a week straight or whatever. And she'll be like, I'm tossing it. I'm like, okay, great. 30 times? Yeah. Even for me, who I'm a dude, that's a bit much. Well, at some, time, at some point in time, it does get crusty. Like it does, yeah. Starts to smell a little bit. <laughs> That's maybe like the cue it needs to go to the laundry. A little musty. Oh, yeah, thirty times. Okay, here's the thing. He's not the only one who agreed with him on this. Ryan Leaf, the former Charger, obviously he does yeah. stuff with the Pac-12 now. Responded also on social. There's a trail of this. This is on social media. Oy. I'm probably right there with you, Dan. Thirty or so reminds me. I need to go wash my shower to- oh, towel. <laughs> <laughs> 
We all have our things, but that doesn't mean yeah. you need to openly expose yourself and admit to it on social media. No, that that's for you and you alone to know about. Oh and maybe your significant other, if such a thing exists. <laughs> well, yeah, so, you know, good times, apparently. Dan Orlovsky and Ryan Leaf apparently don't wash their towels very often. Anyways. All right, Michelle, okay. what do you have for us? Uh, so I am going back to all the drama between the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Okay. I feel like the story has taken has taken a crazy shift. It, give it three days and it shifts, but yeah, it, it might shift back. Yeah. Like I mean, you just don't know. Yes. But it's now potentially looking like people were maybe paid or persuaded in some way to report on stuff that was not true. Yeah, there are allegations that Endeavor, a PR firm, has been influencing some of the storylines, especially from the Big 12 side of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're a PR firm that's worked with a bunch of different sports clients, but they've been contracted with the Big 12. There's allegations out there uh, that they essentially have been, I say, influencing some of the storylines. Right. Now, I, to my knowledge, I have not seen a paper trail of this. It Correct. will be interesting to see if anything ultimately gets uncovered. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that we're even having this conversation, uh, you know, sh- shame on us as an industry that it, it's gone to a point where people don't know whether or not they can trust you and trust whether or not you're vetting sources out and double and triple checking before you report on something and and even you know giving a shadow of a doubt that maybe people are taking money Mm -hmm. and not even investing themselves in doing the job that's just so criminally wrong uh and again this is sports we're not reporting on things that save lives or you know it, it it's all for fun, and so if you it's start supposed to be fun, yeah. if you start having these questions about something that's really just supposed to be fun, it opens up a whole can of worms mm-hmm. as to well, what about the serious stuff? There's a thing called credibility out there, and as a sports journalist, you you want to have that credibility because when you go with a report, you want people to be like, okay, if they say this. There's likely, you know, some truth or they're on the right track or if it ends up not being right, they'll be the bigger person and say, hey, I found evidence that shows that it's actually X, Y and Z when Mm -hmm. I thought it was A, B and C to start. Correct. And so the the situation at hand here is there are people that it's very clearly defined. I actually described it. I was on my podcast, Locked on Cougars, talking about this. We have, I'm calling the Pac-12 camp, mm-hmm. and we have the Big 12 camp. And in, in some ways, it reflects kind of the political structure of our country. Oh, 1,000%. There, there's one side of the aisle, aisle. There's two sides of the aisle. You're on one side of them. And there are media personalities, writers, talking heads, radio hosts, whatever, that are on one side or the other and are propagating their side, their truth versus – and. The interesting part, as you talked about, is that if these allegations of this Endeavor group, if they have truly influenced media members, 
let's say on the Big 12 side of the aisle over here, to go and spew and report and say things over here, and there's a paper trail of it, that is going to forever alter the credibility of those journalists. The thing about it, and I'll also say this. As journalists slash, in our case, in my, well, in my case, I work in radio. You're obviously, you're doing more written. You're, you're more of a capital J journalist than I yeah. consider myself to be. You're never going to bat 1,000. No. You're never going to be perfect. No. But you also don't want to be hitting 300. Right. Right. And so, and just to kind of wrap this whole thought up, because yeah. I've been doing my own digging. Yes, you've been doing great work. I've been yeah. try, trying to, to me, it looks like the Big 12 stuff uh-huh. is a bunch of bunk. I haven't been able to find any proof. I will happily change my opinion if someone can point me in that direction. I have yet to have that happen. But the one scary thing that has Mm -hmm. come out from asking around about stuff is I had one source tell me, you are the first person that has ever come and asked me if anything is true. Interesting. That is horrifying. Yeah. That is horrifying. Well. It's our job to ask questions (laughs) and try and find the truth. Well, and that, that that's the thing about this is it's going to be interesting to see where things ultimately pan out. Like, I'll say it again. I still fully expect the, the Pac-12 or 10 schools to stick together. Mm-hmm. I still expect them to get a media rights deal. My biggest thing is the posturing that's going on amongst – and we're, I'm not talking about the media. I'm talking about now from the – there was uh, Rob, Robbins from Arizona spoke oh, out, yeah. Michael Crow from Arizona State, Mark, Mark Harlan here on our station spoke out. The posturing that's going on is going to be interesting to see where where the actual numbers lie and how it's all going to shake out. I think that they are going to stick together for the time being. The only issue I am going to have with it, it, it just, the way I'm perceiving it right now, is that I don't want them to come out and say, we're, we're in lockstep for forever. Oh, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah. This is just... To get through until the next deal, uh-huh. and then everything's up for debate it's again. Ba- it's back. It's back into the mixer, yeah. And, and here's, oh gosh, we need to we need to go to break. Here's the thing, though, is from my perspective, uh-huh. I think everybody's a little too comfortable that it's obviously going to go the next round. The Big Ten and the SEC are going to break everything up. I yeah. think there's two other possibilities that happen, and that's you see people going back to where they started from, so UCLA mm-hmm. and USC going back to the Pac-12. Because of the college football playoff and and the easier path, the other thing I can also see as a potential is that somehow the ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 kind of merge and come up with their own to try and counter. I I just think there's more possibilities of what could happen in the next five to six years than what people are actively talking about and thinking about. And there's probably two or three options out there that we're not talking about because it's just so out there. And until all the pieces (laughs) fall into place, like no one would ever guess that that would be a place that all this could go. But I just don't I want to encourage people that if it feels very obvious it's probably not necessarily the answer. Like a lot changes in five, six, ten years. Yeah. Well, and to your point, if there is a paper trail, it's going to forever alter perception of certain whoever whoever gets caught up in that. The other the other thing, the, uh, we really do need a break. <laughs> I'm going to add one one final note on this: is that wherever it shakes out. Nobody in many ways has covered themselves completely in glory on either side. Let's be no. clear. But the, it's just so funny to me because 
there are people who are like staking almost everything on this individual story. And I'm like, this is not the story that necessarily you want to like. This is not the hill to die on. Yeah. It's a, it's a it's a fun story. And it's generated millions of clicks for everybody involved. My podcast, your coverage at KSLSports.com, a million other websites who have covered it. It's generated all kinds of intel. But the the almost like all or nothing feeling with certain people and staking their reputations on this, I'm just like. Yeah, I don't know that it's quite worth that. <laughs> because, again, unless you're in that room, yeah. you don't know. You don't know. Well, and really the only people who truly know are Klyovkov, his group of people inside the Pac-12 office, and then the, truly, even some of the ADs may not know all of the details. Mm-hmm. It's the chancellors and university presidents. So uh, Taylor Randall up at Utah, Robert C. Robbins at Arizona, Michael Crow at Arizona State. Those, those are the people yeah. who have the full picture. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyways, <laughs> crazy, crazy times. And it, you're right. If the Big 12, it does come out that they were tampered with or the media were being influenced and I guess vice versa. Also, the same thing on the. Nobody's going to come out of this looking great. If that, if that, if there truly is that paper trail. Oof. Wait and see. Yeah, I know. It's another, just... another case study, perhaps. <laughs> Crazy times. All right, we will come back. We're actually going to stick with the college football side of things. We're actually going to talk about on the field. Uh, Utah going to be beginning spring ball this week. BYU just finished uh, their second week. We'll talk more about that. This is the Saturday show right here on ninety-seven point five FM, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.